This interview with Rachel Berbilia reminds us that it is so, so important to equip our leaders in our environments with the right tools for success in order to communicate change. Now, change is a constant if you are a scaling and growing business, but time has gone by whereby the PowerPoint that we present with this amazing initiative, the things that we're going to do, please know they come to a screeching halt when it comes to frontline leadership. They have to manage safety issues, environmental issues. They got to get the product out. And so you may find it as an uphill battle until we give them the tools for success. And then you know they have the tools for success when they say one day, we are not going to ship this product. We already had one failure. And until we understand the root cause, we're not going to remake this product and ship it to the customer and hope it passes. When they say things like that, we have then given them the power, the understanding, and the tools for success to do the right things. So in your situation, think about it. Have you set up your frontline leadership for success? That critical thinking to make decisions, to clearly understand the initiatives that we need to move forward. If not, you might want to push the pause button and listen to this amazing conversation with Rachel Berbilia. The first thing I would say is to remember that every person moves through their change curve at a different pace. So as hard as it is, there's not one answer that fits all. And this is why your frontline management team is so important in a change management plan. Because the individual contributors on your team, those cues are going to be picked up by their manager that they work with on a daily basis much more easily than they will be picked up by a program sponsor or someone who's several levels removed from them. So I would say it's very important to make sure that your frontline management level employees have the skills they need to be able to understand that communication is necessary as well, and they can pick up on those cues. But even though it's personal to each person, you do as an organization need to be able to move forward, even if you've got some stragglers. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello and founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful you've joined us for another episode. I am so blessed to have amazing leaders who share their insights for you, and hopefully they inspire you. And if you do like this episode, we please ask, subscribe, rate, and review, and share with others so we can continue to bring you amazing programming. And this week, I am so honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Rachel Berbilia. Rachel brings order to chaos in business operations. As an advisor to C-suite executives, she helps companies solve significant operational problems, especially scalability for companies that are managing the transition from startup 
to growth mode. And over the years, she has created program management offices, run integration offices for international acquisitions, and created professional services operations within software companies. And Rachel is also the host of two podcasts. I was on one of them and one that focuses on her passion for updating the stereotypes about Kansas and a second one that focuses on professional personal development. So it is my pleasure, Rachel, to welcome you onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, and I have as well. And the beauty of the network, our friend, Deanna Acuna, she introduced us. I am so grateful. I had the distinct pleasure of being on Rachel's podcast and sharing my insights. And I am so honored to bring her on the show as well. But if you look at her LinkedIn profile, one of the things that she talks about is bringing order to chaos in business operations. And if you know me, that is something that I hate. I dislike chaos. And that's why I love going into operations myself and being able to see the landscape, provide some stability as well as elevating people. So Rachel, a little bit about yourself. Tell us a bit about your story so our audience gets to know more about you. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So you mentioned a little bit in my bio. I have over the years worked for some of the largest companies in the United States doing, in a lot of cases, I get brought in on the air quotes special project. (laughs) And a lot of times I've been brought in with a request to, we need to address this particular issue. Can you figure out how to do that? And so I walk in when there isn't anything necessarily in place and just have always really enjoyed figuring out how to put what is needed in place. So as an example, I worked for Lexmark. I came to Lexmark because they were starting to do a bunch of acquisitions and they had nothing in place for how to integrate the acquired companies. And so I took the strategy that they had for growth through acquisition and executed on a plan to ensure that it turned out to be eight acquisitions over three and a half years. I came up with the plan for what that integration would look like for each different company. And, and of course, had a team that supported me in that. I didn't do it all, all myself, of course. But that was a lot of fun because you got every company we acquired was different. And so it was coming up with a framework that would allow us to bring order to the chaos that comes with acquisitions but make it flexible enough to work for each of the different companies that we acquired. And I also had a request to come in to a professional services organization. They were growing. They were moving from the stage where everybody wore every hat to the stage where they were getting too big for everybody to wear every hat. And so I came in and set up a program management office for them to help with the cross-functional nature of businesses when they're growing and starting to really specialize into individual departments. You start to have a CMO, you start to have a CFO, you start to have a a chief customer officer, and they're all focused on their particular specialty. But you need that cross-functional coordination when companies are scaling. And so putting a program management office in place to make sure that There's coordination of those strategic initiatives across all those departments with something else I did. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing I love. (laughs) So it's very interesting, the story you share, because I too, (laughs) I have this knack to be able to step back and see what is missing 
for what is needed in order to get rid of the, to your point, the chaos. But I'm just curious, when did you realize you had this knack or passion? Because I think in a leader's journey or as you're evolving in your career, there are pivotal moments in there where you say, wow, I'm actually good at this and I actually like it and they pay me for this and they ask me to do another one. So when was it that you realized you had this skill to be able to do this for companies? Yeah, it's funny. I think the first thing I recognized was actually kind of the opposite. I recognized what I didn't like. And so I had been working for a company where, to be honest, I started as an accountant. My degree is in accounting. And so I started off as an accountant. And the company that I was working for as an accountant decided to put in a new ERP system, which of course is a large project for a large strategic project for companies when they're changing their ERP system. And the way I got involved was really just as the accountant who was working with the team that was going to be implementing the system as kind of the subject matter expert. And then I eventually just moved into being on the team that was doing the implementation and then eventually took over that team. Once we had that implementation up and running and it it became routine, it was just operations day to day and things were routine, I got bored really fast. And so then I moved on to the next job and it was the same thing. They wanted me to set something up. And then once I got it set up and I was just running it and it was routine, I got bored pretty fast. So it's really figuring out that once the operations are in place and they're running like clockwork, I get bored and I'm ready to move on to the next thing. It was recognizing that insight that then I was able to back into the idea that what I like to do is to come in where nothing exists, set it all up and get it running. And then I'm ready to move on to my next challenge. (laughs) Okay. So this is strangely eerie because that is exactly the way I am. Now, early in my career, when I was a new engineer, new manufacturing person, I like process improvements and constantly tweaking and making things better. And then I too realized I love the creative process where there is nothing. That's probably why I love to cook so much because I just love to create from nothing and then see what the impact is. And I too will get bored. That's why I am, you know, the drop-in CEO or doing a fractional COO. I love helping to put things in order and then developing the people so they can run it, you know, day in and day out. So that is, that is really important insight to also realize what you don't want to do. Because if you don't want to do it and you get bored, you're going to lose your, your passion and maybe lose time on this earth, not knowing what you potentially can do. But what I really want to do now is dig into some of your insights, having done a lot of this work and also done a lot of work around strategy. You have some unique insights about executing strategy as it relates to change management. I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah, yeah. Change management is a topic that I could talk to you all day about. But when I think about your audience, one of the things that I would like to bring to their attention, maybe have them think about, since change management is something that most people at at executive level or aspiring executive level are familiar with, but one of the areas I see that falls down in execution on change management frequently is around the communication styles that are necessary at each phase along the way throughout the change curve. And what I see people in leadership roles kind of miss 
is that they are aligning the wrong communication style with the change phase that they're going through. And so let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean there. So as someone in a leadership position, you are usually either the one making the decision about the change, the strategy change, or you've been pulled into that decision early in the life cycle of a change before the general employee population is aware of it. What that means is you, having been pulled in early or even being the one making the decision, are way ahead of the rest of your team on the change curve, right? You've gone through asking all the questions and understanding what the new world will look like after the change and everything. You've made it through your change curve. And now you're at the point where you're ready to roll this out to the rest of your team. And this is new for them. They're just starting their change curve. You are at a different place in your change curve, which requires a different kind of communication style. But because it's where you are, you want to communicate in the way that you're ready for it, not in the way that your team's ready for it when they're behind you on the change curve. So the specifics, I like to, I'm a kind of person who I like to give very tactical things that people can use immediately in their day-to-day life. And so when you are first at the beginning of a change curve, think about it when you find out about a, a change for the first time. You're sometimes shocked. You're maybe in denial. Your brain is going a million miles an hour thinking, what does this mean for me? And you're, you can't really think straight, right? What you need for communication style when you're in that space is very informative. Just the facts. You know, here's what's going to happen. And here's the timeline we expect it to happen on. And here's where you can find the information you need. As you make your way through the change curve and you start to get comfortable with it and you've gone through the identity crisis of what does this mean for me? And you're really starting to move on to, now I know I'm moving into this change. Now you're looking for more inspirational communication style. You're saying to yourself, okay, I can see the future. I just need some inspiration to kind of get me over that last hump. And so early, again, I'm going to repeat here, early in the phase, you want very informative, informational communication because your brain is just going a million miles an hour. Late in the curve, inspiration is important because you've got to help everyone understand we can do this. We're going to get there. The future is bright. Now, let me go back. As an executive, you are, by the time you're announcing this change to the rest of your team, you're already ready for inspirational communication because you're at the end of your curve. And the tendency of leaders, because they're in that inspirational phase, the tendency is to make an announcement of a change in an inspirational style, when what is needed is an informative style. So that's my number one tip for your listeners is to to make sure that when you're first communicating a change, even though you're ready for inspiration, remember that your people, the team that you're announcing this change to, are really all they need is information, the basics. So I'm curious, this is very new insight for me. Again, it is a delicate balance because you also need to move them through the change. But what are the signs or the feelings that people are now ready for the inspiration? 
how are they beyond the, just the facts and I'm done with my <laughs> emotional dealings <laughs> with the change? What are some signs that leaders can pick up on to say, okay, they're ready for inspiration? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. The first thing I would say is to remember that every person moves through their change curve at a different pace. So as hard as it is, there's not one answer that fits all. And this is why your frontline management team is so important in a change management plan, because the individual contributors on your team, they're going to, those cues are going to be picked up by their manager that they work with on a daily basis much more easily than they will be picked up by a program sponsor or, or, you know, someone who's several levels removed from them. So I would say it's very important to make sure that your frontline management level employees have the skills they need to be able to understand that communication is necessary as well, and they can pick up on those cues. But even though it's personal, to each person, you do as an organization need to be able to move forward, even if you've got some stragglers. You'll have some people who are way ahead of you and some stragglers you need as an overall organization to kind of pick up on those cues. And I would say that one of the things that you're looking for is that the level of questions that people are asking is starting to taper off. At first, there's going to be a million questions. But that'll start to taper off. And when you start to see the number of questions being asked about the change taper off, that's probably a good indicator that you're starting to really move through that to the next phase of the change curve. So what I would really love to respond to that, because I totally understand this, but what I also see is that once you're past the dwindling number of questions on what's happening, the nature of the questions start changing into hey, did you guys think about doing it this way? I got a better idea. Let me show you what I'm doing over here. Do you think it's possible? Because now they're already thinking about the possibility and now asking different questions about how do we do it, not just what we're doing. I don't know if you see it that same way, but I think that's the beginning of, okay, we can do this. Let's go team. We're we're not sure how to get there, but let's just figure it out. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is is a great insight because when they're starting to say, hey, have you thought about this? That means that they're thinking about the solution, not the problem. It's not the resistance problem of, oh, you're changing my world. It's more about, oh, I'm part of this team and I think I might have a solution. So I think, yeah, that is, that's great. That's a great insight. So change is so important. World, it's change is a constant right now. So I think this is a really, really key skill that leaders just have to have their ear to the pavement or close to the frontline leaders because change is a constant and we're always changing. And it's a matter of how fast can we get people through that change curve. So I got another question for you because on your website, you do a lot of leadership development skills training on top of just operationally removing the chaos. But one of the coaching topics you talk about is critical thinking skills. And the reason why this is important to me was I, along the way, they questioned my critical thinking skills because sometimes a subject matter expert can just do and execute, but being able to think through things critically. I want to just know from your standpoint, what have the challenges been that you've seen for which some of your teaching, mentoring, et cetera, is around critical thinking? That is, yeah, this is another topic that I could talk all day about. And, you know, 
what I focus on when I talk about critical thinking is trying to pull people out of their particular area of expertise, their particular processes that are part of their daily operations, and think about the processes and people that feed them and the processes and people that are downstream from them that they're feeding. So it's the whole concept of thinking about the system, the whole system, not the process. And I think to be a good critical thinker about any kind of thing that you're trying to accomplish towards a business strategy is to understand that entire system. You don't have to be an expert on every phase of the system, but you need to understand all of the key parts of the system and think about when you're thinking about making a change, even if it's just to your particular area, what does that mean to the person upstream from me? What does it mean to the person downstream from me? And make sure that you're also, this gets a little bit more into networking maybe, but also that you're building relationships with the people upstream from you and downstream from you because you're going to need their buy-in as stakeholders as well. And have your back occasionally because occasionally in the process, somebody might be late, somebody might not get what you want. And if you understand the process and who to go to, you can be exceptionally resourceful and minimize any oopses. (laughs) along the way when you have a much better understanding of the entire process, critical thinking, asking the right questions. So I really, really appreciate that. Now, I want to just highlight some of the work that you do. You have a People Move Organization podcast and a wealth of offers such as subscriptions or memberships to get ongoing coaching and development. Tell us a little bit more about this work. Who does it serve and how does it help them? Yeah, so I there are topics that I like to focus on. I call them the core business skills. They're the things that everybody needs to know for their job, regardless of your job description. It's things like critical thinking. It's things like change management and communication and influence. It doesn't matter if you're a salesperson or a software developer. You need these skills to be successful in your career. And my offers are focused on managers who have teams that they're looking to build some of these skills in and being able for me to be able to come in and work with their team. And what I really like to do is just come to their team meeting and maybe once a month, once a quarter, the manager can have their team meeting be focused on this personal development of core business skills. And I find that it works well because one of the big challenges we have in corporate America is that everybody is crammed for time and it's really hard to find time to do personal development. You know, you've got your day job (laughs) and you're, you know, you're paddling as fast as you can to keep up with your day job, let alone try and do some core personal development. And so what I like to do is be able to come in and join an already existing meeting and cover a topic and then follow up with the team through some exercises or some worksheets that can have them take what we talk about and say, okay, now think about your day job. Think about your process. Think about the system you're part of. How can you apply what we learned today to that and go do something, take action on it. I love, I'm a big proponent of take action in everything, take action. And so it's not just, I'm not just going to sit down and, you know, do a PowerPoint with you. I'm going to ask you then to, within the next week or so, take action on what we've learned. Think about how you can incorporate it into your day job. So I love what you talk about, and I, I'll 
coin it like integrated learning because so often we are busy with the day job. And if you think about going out for some training or a class, it's in addition to, and the best learning can be applied as an integrated thing and applying it right away. And like you say, taking action because I'll do training in various companies, but I always have an additional offer. What can I do in terms of ongoing mentorship? Because very few people remember or even worse, be able to apply what they learned. And not to say the training is bad, but unless you ingrain it into what you're doing, will it really, really stick? Otherwise, you lose the value of what you've done. And I really appreciate that too, because I do the same thing. I've got my C-Suite Academy that's launching very soon. Yes, there is high-touch instruction, but then there is one-on-one coaching, open office hours. We really talk about what are your situations and coaching that behavior or action into performance. So I love what you do. That's why I brought you onto the show. So, you know, as we think about this, and we still have a few more minutes, but you said you're all about action. What can we do tomorrow, the next day that we can apply to our situation? And I am wondering, what are some of the greatest tips or actions, or maybe just one or two that maybe you can share with our audience that people should think about doing and consciously think about how am I going to apply it in my situation? Because I want people to come away with potentially a new skill. Wow, that's a great question. So when I talk about change management, one of the actions that I always challenge people with is change management is your responsibility. I don't care what position you are in your company. It's your responsibility. There may be somebody in your company responsible for sponsoring the change that's happening, but you're the one who's being changed upon. And so it's your responsibility to take action and figure out what it is you need to help yourself through that change. And that may mean reaching out and asking questions about getting exactly what does this mean? How does it impact me? Whatever your question may be. But don't sit around and expect that the project sponsor is going to magically know what your question is and communicate an answer. Don't be shy about reaching out and saying, you know, hey, I'm thinking about this change. I'm trying to digest it. But in order for me to get comfortable with it, I need to know X, Y, Z. So take action in that manner. The other thing, and this is a hard one in today's world, the other action that when you're trying to get yourself through change is you're responsible for doing whatever training, if the change requires training, requires getting some sort of new knowledge, requires attending some sort of a meeting, do it. I can't tell you how many people ignore the email, ignore the meeting that gets, the training that gets scheduled onto their calendar or whatever, because again, we're all so busy. But you've got to be responsible. You play a responsible role in making the change happen as much as the executive team who has set the change in motion and is rolling it out. It takes everybody. That's the thing about turning a strategy into execution. Everybody's got to execute for it to be successful. And that means regardless of you know what role you're playing in the company. So action, when I think about action and I think about change, I think be an advocate for yourself in the change. Get the answers you need. Talk to your manager about it. If you can't talk to your manager about it, talk to a friend or spouse or or whatever, just to get through any challenges you might think you're facing, but take the initiative to be your own advocate for the change. 
So that is so important. And I talk about this a lot. Sometimes people may feel victim to circumstances or things that are changing. But I often talk, it's really the mindset of yourself is you need to take control of your career. If you're not getting the information you need or the clarification, it's on you to seek that knowledge and understand what it means in the context of what you do. But also, if we could just speak a little bit to the leaders of organizations that have people in your care, the onus is on you as well to ask questions of your people and make sure that it's understood and meet them where they are, communicate in a way they need. You also have the responsibility. It goes both ways in order to navigate the change and achieve the outcome of the strategy. So this has been an amazing interview. I want people to listen to your podcast. It's 10 minutes, very quick, very actionable. I love being on it. People need to check out the People Move Organization podcast. But any last things that you want to share with our listeners before we bring it to a close? Well, I would just say I I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is don't be a victim when it comes to change. And don't, as a leader, don't assume that you're team has all the information that you have when it comes to change. They need the support as well. So, and I'm, you know, I would love to connect with your listeners on LinkedIn. They can, you know, find me just by searching for my name. I think I'm the only Rachel Berbilia out there. (laughs) And I would love to continue the conversation with anybody who might be interested. All right, Rachel, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. And for everybody out there, I just want to say, Thank you again for joining us on another episode. I sincerely appreciate all the reviews we're getting, all the downloads, people purchasing the book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track. I sincerely appreciate everybody being part of the Drop-In CEO community. And Rachel, thank you. I do wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.